0: I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered.
1: I'm a superhero, ma'am. A real-life superhero. The
0: world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero?
1: Initiating surprise in three.
0: This two is one. The Real Brian Show.
1: Happy Friday. Oh, we have got some scintillating topics to discuss today. Can someone actually change? And if so, how quickly is that possible? We watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix, and we have got to discuss that. What social media, etc., is doing to us. Plus, we have some new music, finally. And our review of the season finale of Star Trek Discovery. Excuse me, sir. Can you direct me to the naval base in Alameda? It's where they keep the nuclear vessels. Nuclear weasels. A rocket. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to the Real Brian Show. Thanks for joining us. I am TRB, the Real. What's that Brian? little
2: What's that little guy one with nuclear weasels?
1: nuclear weasels i'm gonna tell you what huh? nuclear
2: weasels, weasels
1: well that's true you know you you if you do a bunch of them weasels out there and you put all them pesticides out and it, it just you know it happens. they glow they glow they have no nuclear weasels oh well, check off service number dude. 656-5027b hey dude. captain <laughs> <laughs> uh-oh somebody's I've a nerd influence somebody's a nerd I've-
2: I believe there's a hero in all of us.
1: Oh, that's so special. Thank you for saying that. You're it nervous.
2: is, And uh, yeah, Brian's just proved that.
1: Yeah, there's a. <laughs> did you say a nerd in all of us? Something like that? Uh, a hero in all of us. Hey, welcome back to fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Oh.
0: I was just thinking maybe there's a little bit of Canadian in all of us too. Oh. Hey? Probably. Uh.
2: There, we could use a little Canadian. Yeah. We all could.
1: It's I like we Canada. could use a little Christmas, you know? We could use a little Canadian. Use a little Canadian. That song?
0: Some Canadian nuclear vessels. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nuclear I, I think real. it's Across the it's Bay in Alameda. That's what they said, Alameda. But where is Alameda? I know that movie across way the bay in too New well. Brunswick. Oh, my gosh. Have you been to San Francisco, either of you guys? No.
2: No, no I have not had the privilege. Oh, man. And now I can't afford it, so...
1: Yeah, it is one of my favorite cities to visit. I absolutely love that place. So fun. So when they did, you know, Star Trek 4 in, in, in San Francisco. I'll tell you what, though, going to Alcatraz, you just feel right at home when you visit.
2: Yeah. I've said you, that before. We, we know all about your little, yeah, all about your little escapades with the Birdman.
1: Well, yeah, and the and Birdman was kind of a chode, but, you know, I liked,
2: I, I liked like Al Capone, man.
1: I'm sorry. He was kind of a, no, I'm kidding. What a jerk.
2: Sorry. Even in prison? Really? He was a jerk.
1: Wow. You know, I was talking with Lord Thunder and we were talking about, we were talking about Miracle on 34th Street and he's like, which year? And I said, 1947. And I said, you know, that was a good year or something like that. He's like, man, bro, you're old. And I said, well, that was my 300th birthday. It was in 47. So good times. Anyway, That's
0: funny. We were trying to watch Miracle on 34th Street this
1: year and we're trying to find it. And it's like, I didn't know there were so many years. (laughs) I know I didn't. Well, (laughs) I knew there was the 90 something version. You know, it was okay. It was charming. But the 47 version is classic.
0: Well, that's but, the version, isn't it? I mean, well,
1: there was a 70-something version that I don't... It's best forgotten kind of thing, but I don't... I mean, I, I never saw it.
0: I guess when we accidentally started, I was like, I didn't know there were so many bell-bottoms in the original <laughs> 34th Street. <laughs> and Santa's like, hey, they, man, peace. Didn't they film it on the love boat or
2: something
1: like that? Probably. I mean, the yeah. love boat. Soon we will be... My- all right, Ben, welcome back, dude. So excited you're here. What are you guys drinking, first of all? I'm going to start with you, Ben, because, you know, you're our guest. Well, I'm drinking some good old natural
0: Adam's Ale, which when I was growing up, that's what we used to call water.
1: Wait, <laughs> so I'm drinking water. Adam's Wait, Ale. I, like, that, I get it. Ah. That's funny. That's funny. Really good. Oh, that's funny. I, Adam's <laughs> ale. I'm sitting here going like, oh, what man. is that? I've never heard about it. That's fantastic. <laughs> Or, my or grandma's back
2: clapping back. my knee right now. <laughs> you yeah. get
1: that, Tony? You get that? That yeah, was grandma, hilarious, that. Tony. Let me pinch your cheeks. You, you I think sweet next time boy. I'll drink
0: some. Next time I'll <laughs> drink some dihydrogen monoxide.
1: Oh, that's a good idea.
0: Oh, nerd speak. Yes. Yeah.
1: You know, we always did this when we were in Boy Scouts and we'd go on camping trips and we'd be like, "All right, what did you bring to drink?" And they're like, "Dehydrated water." And and of course, there would always be someone like, "What's that? Can I see it?" And be like, "All you got to do is add water." <laughs> somebody would never get it. It's just like the snipe hunts, you know? Oh, cool. I'll go on a snipe hunt with you, you know? And then you start hearing crying about 30 minutes later because the kid was lost all by himself. It was good times.
2: Dude. Yeah. Dark memories of Boy Scouts. Stop. Oh, it. those
1: were the best man. Uh, so fun. So what are you drinking captain?
2: Well, I also am drinking Adam's ale. Good with for you. The occasional apple beer Mosa mixed in Brian, you nice. know, my penchant for a uh, apple flavored alcohol free beer, right? Yep. So yeah, good what a dark my grandma's like shaking me
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're a complete dork tony Shh. tony learn how to be really? funny you little dork <laughs> pretty much is that how she sounded something like that or am I closer
2: not really but oh. i she appreciates the the comparison it's okay gotcha. so
1: she's okay yeah. well there you go well, I too am drinking Adams Ale a lot all the time. Oh, but also I'm, I'm finishing up my box of Candy Cane Lane because there's a few few bags left, and why not? And I'm drinking my Panamanian coffee again at the same time. All three of those just down the spout. Three different, you know, that would be a good idea. It's you could double have double fisting. You <laughs> triple fisting. I just, you know, I am a pianist. It would be kind of handy to have four arms and four hands, wouldn't that be neat?
2: Oh, I have an exercise for you. Yeah say awesome pianist five times in a row. I am not going to really say fast. that.
1: Nope. <laughs> nope. Because I know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> okay, but you guys try that while you're listening. And in the meantime, Bentastic, what is new, man? It's been a while since you've been on. I think... Actually, I can't remember when. It, it's been that not long. too
0: long. Long enough, though. Er- earlier in the fall. Is it like September? Yeah, so, I guess maybe, so. Maybe. I can't remember. It was a
2: while. To, to us old timers, that's just like Last week. I mean, so yeah. welcome you
0: remember, back.
1: Man. You remember a year ago? Yeah. Tony, that was last week. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, there's a lot new in your life. How?
0: Grandma? <laughs> yeah. What's well, new? You God, got Tony. you guys mentioned you guys mentioned we got a beautiful little baby girl in our house. Oh Yeah, we did talk about lovely. that a couple
1: weeks ago. Yeah, but it's yeah.
2: still and I remember mentioning how I'm so pleased that it's a baby girl. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: So she's uh two months old yesterday, doing well. Still doing the typical robbiness of our wholesome sleep.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> you flagging but, in tonight, Ben? That's old person speak for. Are you kind of tired?
0: Yeah, a wee bit. Yeah, okay. She's been smiling really good for a couple of weeks. So we're enjoying nice. that. Good. Just got to wait for the laughs to start coming and that won't then, take long. And then her to start sleeping longer. Of course, with everything going on in the house and everything, I'm still not entirely done in my garage. <laughs> I was wondering about that. <laughs> I'm away a bit. I mean, you've you've been a little busy. Yeah. We've been parking in it for a few months. I still have less than a quarter of the siding to finish putting on.
1: Okay.
0: It's weather resistant. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. Good enough. Yeah. I I got the little mini unit furnace heater thing put in. Sweet. So that can run, but I don't have it insulated, so I'm not going to turn it on yet. Yeah. I've been nerding out about what I can put in that thing when it's done. I'm going to make like the ultimate workbench for doing projects around the house. So doing that and more so this year, like the conversations you guys recently, or just last week, Brian, you're talking about thriving in 2020. Yes. And mm-hmm. with feeling like crap, honestly, shortly after Christmas and having some bad symptoms, which was not COVID, thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. But you you still have to like isolate. And with us, with so many kids in the house and everything, we one of us is sick. We try and isolate from the rest of the family so we don't spread it and make everyone miserable. That's wise. But that led me to think a lot about at first I was thinking I was feeling so crappy because I ate like essentially nothing but junk for a few days. So this year in being dedicated to thriving, regardless of what, whatever the heck is going on in the world and society and my job or whatever, I'm focused on what I can do to be in a better state, feel healthier. So I haven't done New Year's resolutions for a few years, but this year I am eating no potato chips. Oh. Did you guys get the commercials back in the day from Lay's? Oh yeah. I um, bet you can't can eat just, just one. Oh, yeah. yeah. With me, is I bet you can't eat just one bag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I open realize. that bag and it's gone. Yeah. So, and one of the big things you always talk about, Brian, is is eating well but still having the cookie. Of course, I can't have just one. Oh. I, I can't. I struggle with with not pigging out. I can't have just like a small amount. I have none, or I have none. Yeah, so this it's, year it's, it's like no potato chips and no sugary snacks unless it's like a family treat we're having together, or if I'm on a date with my wife. So that's the only sweet food i'm having this year
1: okay but hold and on a lot of
0: dates dude yeah
1: you'll be doing that day tonight <laughs> like please let's go to date but hold on a second here all right so how many cookies do you mean when i mean realistically on average when you're like yeah i can't eat just one i'm gonna eat what Depends so cookies. yeah that's true too that's, that's <laughs> like and how big are I, was, I was
0: thinking it's like how many are in the box <laughs> so if we make like a few dozen cookies the kids have some there will be like two dozen left I will have a cookie every time I step in the kitchen until they're gone. Uh, Sometimes it'll be two depending on how long I'm in the kitchen. Okay. A box of Oreos I'm t- shared between our whole family. I typically eat a third of the box. Wow. Okay. I enjoy <laughs> my junk food. It, it yeah. tastes lovely. It does. Nothing wrong um, with that. But, but here's, what, here's you. what
1: you can do though <laughs> is, is do that Tim Ferriss approach that I was... T- I think I was talking about that last week where you just say, okay, for six days a week or five or whatever yeah. you decide... I'm not eating sugar. I'm not eating potato chips, whatever. And then on that one day, you can do whatever you want, man. You can eat three boxes of Oreos. You can eat 14 bags of potato chips. You're probably going to throw up afterwards. You know? And you're going to feel terrible that eventually you're going to retrain your brain and go, man, I don't want as much anymore. And it will work.
0: Yeah, it could. You well, could try that. That reminds me several, actually over 10 years ago, I went with a pop for a year. I did Dude, no pop for a year and then I'd, for a whole year, bro. <sighs> yeah. And then I and then I man. did no donuts for a year.
1: Oh. And hey. so now
0: I can't handle any more than just the plainest donuts. See oh, that? Isn't that, awesome? that is too sweet for me. Yeah. yeah. And I generally don't drink as much pop as I used to. Oh, yeah. drinking pop. Oh, I thought you meant you were without pot all year. Oh. And I was like, oh.
2: When you're on pot pot, you have to have
0: donuts, bro. (laughs) Let me take the pop filter off my microphone here for a (laughs) second. You you
1: meant uh, uh, soda for those of us in soda. Soda Soda, pop. soda pop.
2: I knew what you meant. I stopped.
1: Well, I didn't stop drinking soda, but I minimized my soda intake a few years back. And I barely, in fact, I haven't even had soda in a year now. Sorry, pop.
2: It's it's pretty rare for me. So Christmas was the last time for me. And that was probably the first time in a year or so. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Last time yeah. I did it was when I, I was at the theater, but it was when we saw Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, which was just over ah. a year ago. I know! <laughs> JJ, we love you! Okay, oh, what I'm glad you're doing that, man. So you're going to be healthy. You're going to be, like, trimmed yeah. up. You're going to have Tony's 10-pack. I don't know. You're I just got to
2: get rid of this. Any
0: day. Any day. Yeah. I just got to get rid of this COVID-15 I put on last year. <laughs> I think everybody did that, man.
1: Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. We're, be, we're allowed to yeah. have that.
0: So, yeah. So it's a diet now and then once the garage is together and I get my workout equipment set up out there. My brother-in-law has been taking care of my squat rack for a while. And we've got the elliptical out there, which isn't too pleasant when it's uh, below freezing outside. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to get going and it's fine. But yeah, once everything's up in there, then I'll be doing some working out too. Sweet. burn, burn some more calories. Love it, man. You know, there's so many diets out there and everything, but I think the end thing is eat less than you're burning every day. And then you're good. Like, let's yeah. just start with some basic stuff like that.
1: And eat what you love so, that remember- loves you back and eat, Also do what you can that you can stick with. All right. So last week we talked about Star Trek Discovery and how a certain character in there has changed massively, which brought up a really good question. And that was, first of all, do you believe that anyone can change at all? Because there are some people that do not believe that someone can change. I am one of those people that happens to believe that anyone can change if they want to, but not everybody agrees with that. Mm -hmm. So that was the first question. And then the second question was, is can someone change so quickly as Tilly did in star trek i mean we're talking she was just just as a a refresher here she was kind of the bumbling insecure unconfident put her foot in her mouth kind of person constantly she's an ensign i mean we're talking green as green gets and then all of a sudden they decide hey let's make you the first officer second in charge of the entire ship now granted she had been with the (laughs) ship for about two and a half years but still let's just say that Ensign Harry Kim from Star Trek Voyager, who was the quote forever ensign was far, (laughs) far more mature and far more equipped to captain a ship than Tilly is. I mean like far more, (laughs) of course. And then like two episodes was it? I think later they said, all right, you're now the captain of the ship ships yours. And she goes from like, oh, I don't know what I'm um, doing. Yeah. um, I don't think I should do this maybe. And then all of a sudden she's like, dude, I'm in charge. I'm going to have verbal judo with this ultimate bad, you know, bad guy of the season. And, I've got this. And she was like the most confident, in-charge, like Captain Picard style level of intensity. She went from
2: Urkel to Jackie Chan in one episode. It was awesome.
0: And
1: within like five minutes. Not not
0: just from Urkel to Stefan Urkel, but to Jackie Chan. (laughs) Yeah, it was true.
1: (laughs) Really, dude? It was... (laughs) There was probably an
2: episode of that. Yeah, there was. Yeah, you're okay. No, I don't. But that's pretty good. Good poll.
1: That was good. (laughs) It was that severe and that sudden. So we had to ask the question, is that is that even realistic at all for anyone? So we had some thoughts on that. But fantastic. Did you have an answer before Captain and I get into it? Did you have an answer to that?
0: Yeah, I think people can change like like you say, like your opinion, Brian. I think the one thing, too, is that to your point, they need to change for themselves. I don't think anyone can cause someone else to change. It has to be that person who's changing decision. Mm -hmm. And in terms of such a major change so quickly, I would love to hear more of her backstory. Maybe they'll reveal something. like It would almost seem like something had blocked her. She'd had an experience in her life that put this shroud over her and took away all her confidence. Mm -hmm. And something allows her to just overcome that experience and put it behind her, and then she can really for the word of the year to thrive yeah, and really succeed. And that's, those are my brief thoughts. I like it.
1: Okay. Is that shroud lifted? It, you know, was it always there? Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely a very possible thing that you just mentioned. Can it happen that quickly though? Maybe. I don't know.
2: Maybe. Maybe. I have a hypothesis about that once we get into it, but
1: do you want to listen to what spider pan had to say really quickly? Please. Okay. So first of all, yeah. spider pan, he sent a voice message about this wonderful. He used, he used, three different stories to illustrate his thoughts one was about eustace from the chronicles of narnia the voyage of the dawn treader if you've ever read
2: that my favorite chronicles of narnia book book
1: three my yeah Go it was ahead. such a good book too but yeah so you are familiar with eustace he becomes a dragon and you know because he's basically a bad kid and then his skin gets torn off and all of a sudden he's back to normal and all that so there's that kind of story the winter wizard from the santa claus is coming to town And then, of course, the third one was from the animated Beauty and the Beast about the beast. Basically, the idea is each of these characters had, you know, good major changes. However, they did the change through love and an act of care towards them from someone else. Mm. And they also looked beyond themselves and their selfishness and had that desire to change, like you mentioned, fantastic. So with that help from the other person and that desire, it then became a process of changing, you know, over time. Now, I can't play Spider-Pan's entire message, but I at least wanted to share a clip of his thoughts.
2: One moment. Sometimes it takes somebody to do something loving toward you. can break through that icy heart of yours. Sometimes it takes an act from somebody else to care about that person. And that makes the difference. Someone showing enough that they care properly about that person. And then the person will decide they want to change. And then it's just a step at a time. Sometimes you have to look at somebody else's needs before your own. Sometimes they just need an ear to listen or a good kind word sometimes it doesn't take much. But looking out for the needs of others and sometimes putting their needs above your own can work wonders for both you and for that person. So, yes, people can change, but it takes sometimes a very big sacrificial act and also a great amount of effort.
1: Love it. Good thoughts. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Amen. Thanks, Spider. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for taking the time to send us a much longer message. It was very appreciated.
1: Yeah, and I listened to the whole thing and I appreciated every bit of it. Captain, your thoughts. I know you said you had a a hypothesis and some other thoughts.
2: Well, so I I just wanted to let you know I did a little bit of research. According to Berkeley University in California, based on an unaffiliated multi-institutional study, our personalities can often change gradually as we age, but it usually takes many decades. People have also more suddenly changed personalities due to traumatic experiences, or brain damage. You know, we've all kind of grown up with that sort of Disney-driven, in some cases, hypothesis of people changing based on a kind act towards them, like Dickinsonian almost, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is almost one of the best examples of someone who has set in their ways, old crotchety, and then due to a traumatic experience and some kind acts, they change completely. Yeah. It's like a, a rebirth almost. So I thought that we could possibly explain Tilly's transformation based on stress and an urgent need in the moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, or maybe she always had it in her, like you guys just mentioned, that. but it was uh, finally brought out of her by the sudden grave responsibility she was given. Or maybe the traumatic transition into the future flipped a switch in Tilly's brain. Because that was a big deal that we kind of forgot and took for granted at the very beginning of the season, that they went through this time travel thing that mm. was much more of a big deal than it is in some other sci-fi franchises, right? Maybe that flipped her somehow. If I were the show writers, I would hang my hat on that one.
1: Maybe it's like even a moment, you know, when someone kind of like you were talking about, this was uncovered. There's this intense moment, traumatic transition into the future, et cetera, for Tilly. And then when she was kind of forced, like, go, <laughs> you better figure this out or you're going to die then yeah, perhaps there was something that came out of her in that moment that she didn't know she had.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It was some, it was, she was like, she was a diamond in the rough. Yeah. You know?
1: But then it changed right back in the next episode, which we'll talk about here in a few <laughs> minutes. So then you kind of go, well, okay, is that realistic or not? Well, maybe, maybe that, that was funny. That one thing comes out in the moment. You're like, whoa, where did that come from? That was amazing. And then you kind of revert back to where you actually were. Even though you're on the path to getting more confident, that's—I mean, I suppose that's possible. Again, I'm—I'm I'm not yeah. a an expert in any of this. I don't, I don't think any of us are here, but no, we are not. We've all seen it. We've all experienced it in some ways. And I very, very much personally believe. In fact, I hear this all the time, and I—I I get really tired of hearing it, especially in TV shows. But I do hear it in general. Is that oh, this person can never change, or you know, somebody has a criminal act and they'll never change. It'll never be possible. You know, they'll always be that way. They'll always revert back to that criminal act, et cetera, et cetera. I don't agree with that. I think that's absolute Mm -hmm. BS. And basically what you're doing is you are almost manifesting that person's future by telling them you'll never make a difference. You will always revert back. You will always make that mistake again, well, what are you doing? You're you're telling them what you believe. And so that causes them to believe the same thing. And so, well, what's the natural reaction? They're going to make the same mistake again. But if you were to yeah. tell them, you're yeah. not going to do, you're going to change. You're going to be better. You're not going to make that mistake again. Even if you struggle and have a weakness towards that, you're not going to do that again. I would think that that person would have a little more confidence to say someone believes in me. I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to change whatever yeah. the How case How many stories? Different. Yeah.
0: How many stories are there out there about kids struggling through schools for years and every teacher thinking they're the worst kid and they'll never amount to anything. And then they have that one teacher that believes in them and that changes their whole oh, life. Yeah,
1: Stand and deliver, dude. Yeah, totally. That was a great movie. I haven't seen that in years. Stand and deliver. Of course, there was uh dangerous minds. That's what it was with Michelle Pfeiffer. Was that the one
2: with Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah, <laughs>
1: that was a really good one. These are all true stories too. That's what's amazing about them and you actually if you read about the original stories, you know, and you kind of go, okay, well, this was dramatized, but look at the real story. It's just incredible to see yeah. how they believed in these students and it changes their lives. You guys ever seen the gridiron Gang? Yes, that's very with good. Rock? That's, that's I have really a good one. one. Very, very good. There's a lot of good movies like that. Coach Carter with Samuel Jackson. Also a true mm-hmm. story. Oh, yeah, really good. I mean, there's so many, many good stories out there of of things that people can change and they can do better for anyone who does not believe someone can change, I hope this is an encouragement to you because I, I fully believe that anyone can change no matter what, if they want it and if they have that support and that belief. So that goes to our second question is can people change so quickly? I think with Tilly, we could explain that whole weird, whatever the heck change she had as a, in the moment it came out, but it's not going to stick around necessarily as naturally until, you know, she kind of gets more used to it. Right. So that's kind of my Which thought is- there.
2: As it turns out, in the season finale, she does kind of back away from it a
0: bit. So Exactly, yeah. First of
1: confidence that fades away. <laughs> I was questioning whether or not that was good or bad writing. Can somebody change that fast? Is this just a very convenient thing that the writers did in a poor way? Or is it really possible? And that's kind of what I was curious. So we did get another response here from Chris, who is our resident, well, one of our resident psychologists. And here's essentially what he said. Change is absolutely possible, although not easy personality hardware. I like that can never be changed. In other words, the real Brian can never become an introvert, (laughs) even with years and years of therapy, personality software, however, can be changed reprogrammed. That is. So for example, optimism can be learned. Belief systems can be changed. New attitudes can be adopted be transformed by the renewal of your minds and so he was saying that sounds like change to him and change is absolutely possible but outside of a miracle not instantaneously it is a process of transformation sometimes agonizingly slow and depends on how bad you want it so okay you know here's somebody who has counseled and seen you know hundreds, well, thousands, maybe i don't know how many people he's seen over his you know career but a lot of people let's put it that way it's what he does. Yeah. And he's saying, you know, this is not an instantaneous change. It is a process and it depends on how much you want it and it can be agonizingly slow. Regardless of what Star Trek Discovery did or didn't do, I guess the encouragement is change can happen for the better. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And also, it takes a long time and to be patient and steadfast remain vigilant Indeed. through the process. Number one. I guess so. Yeah. There you go.
2: Chris, thank you for your response because it lets us put a stamp on it it says, yeah, it can happen. There you
1: go. Love it. Since we mentioned Tilly from Star Trek discovery, we're going to briefly review the season finale. So to kind of sum up my thoughts on the season in general, season three, I thought the first part of the season, it started off very well. We were having a great time with it. There were just like one or two episodes in the, in the beginning of the season that were just not as good in my opinion. But at the same time it was a lot of fun and then it started to go downhill a little bit. I was noticing some things that I was like, okay, I can't ignore that. I want to I want to enjoy the season. I want to enjoy it Star Trek. I want to have fun. But there were some things that I just could not ignore, kind of like that instant change with Tilly, was that realistic or not? There were some things that happened here in the season finale and I'm briefly just going to say like there was this situation where someone had to get into the actual nacelle of the starship, which is the warp engines. Mm-hmm. Well, they detached the nacelles with the new technology. If yeah, you, they're not
2: connected anymore.
1: <laughs> no, there's like a significant amount of <laughs> several space meters in between, between. Yeah. yeah, the actual arm and then the actual <laughs> nacelle. And she's just going up there. And we're like, what?
2: I did meters there just for our guest.
1: Oh, I like that. Yeah. Good, good job. Thank you, Captain. <laughs> Very considerate of you. Well, then as she's coming in, she's in this kind of giant room and she's moving like, on an, I don't even know, some kind of a platform was moving. <laughs> to go into the front of the nacelle, but the only thing that's in front of the nacelle is space. (laughs) So I just I I must be missing something. Well, then the next scene, the nacelles are connected like they're in a fight. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, maybe they reconnected the nacelles. And then the scene after that, they're detached again. And I'm like, what? (laughs) what is going on here? And then the biggest thing that I I could not let go. This is just ridiculous. (laughs) Everybody loves a good elevator scene. You know, you get on top of the <laughs> elevator and, you know, die hard. He blows the elevator shaft up. I mean, there's all kinds of great elevator scenes, right? They're in the turbo lift, of course, which is the elevator on the ship, and they get out of the turbo lift, and all of the sudden, it's like this giant, <laughs> giant, like, did you did you guys like, see Monsters, Inc.?
2: Oh, yeah. No, I never did, but it, oh. it reminded me of the real Brian studio, the never-ending exactly.
1: studio. Exactly. Yeah, I was saying yeah. that, too. I was actually telling Sarah that. So in Monsters, Inc., you know when the doors, Ben, are like, going all over the place in this giant, massive, like endless space.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: You know what I'm talking about? Let's just put it this way. The space that they actually showed multiple times in the episode, by the way, would actually be somewhere in the neighborhood of about five to 10 times larger than the actual ship itself. It's just not even maybe more than that. Yeah, it's not even
2: remotely. It was like TARDIS. It was TARDIS crazy. It was, it was that big. Yeah.
1: And you just (laughs) go, how did the, how did anyone allow that past, the editors and the director. Really? That was, they were in a hurry. That they was laughable. Season. Man. That was laughable. No, I mean, but anybody that has any kind of like, I don't know, intelligence would, would look at that and go, <laughs> what? That isn't anyway. So I just was kind of like, wow. And then they were talking about how Osiris took the ship. And I'm like, what about all the command codes that every Starfleet ship has? She just took over. I'm like, you don't just take over without command codes. That's something they've done in every Star Trek ever since the beginning. And anyway, just on and on and on. So, you know, at, at the very, very end, there was this really cool touching montage of things minus stamets. Oh man. He, (laughs) I have officially decided I, I hate his character now. He is, (laughs) I've never been a fan of him, but that what he did at the very end was wrong. It's been very <laughs> unprofessional because welcome to Starfleet, dude. Tough decisions get made. So poor guy. No, he, no. <laughs> it's
2: not my fault. They wrote <laughs> no, me that no, way. No. The
1: actor's like, I didn't do it. I swear. Well, again, the <laughs> writing was bad, but yeah. minus that little attitude thing, there was this beautiful montage at the end. I loved it that part. But it was like about five minutes, and the rest of the episode to me was a mess and some of the worst writing in Star Trek I've ever seen in every movie, including the JJ movies. This was worse than that. Wow. And definitely hey. every single episode of Star Trek ever made, this was probably some of the worst writing I've ever seen. There you wow. go. There's yeah. my opinion. What'd you think?
2: <laughs> you know what? I uh Ooh. you you uh really influenced me, Brian, because Oh um, shoot,
1: I didn't uh, mean to do that. I,
2: I, I have to admit, to be honest, I wasn't thinking much while I watched the season finale. My my initial impression was that I enjoyed it. And I was looking forward to the next season. I was like, wow, they, they really wrapped the season up neatly, especially in that little montage at the end. Mm-hmm. They did it in such a way that they could have just ended the series right there if they really wanted to. But yeah. then I, So then I Googled it and I said, like, okay, good, there's a season four. Yeah. Well, maybe that's not so good. I'm not sure. I I've, After that episode, you know, once you got me thinking about all the giant JJ-esque plot <laughs> holes in that episode... And all the skip jumping they did. Oh, oh my god. That was bad. I totally did a not, not a one eighty, but maybe at least a ninety or maybe a hundred and ten degree turn. You know, the season started out so good yeah. and so fresh. Yeah, it did. And I mean it was so good at the beginning. And then it eventually just devolved into a very pretty adventure that had very little substance in the end. A la JJ. Mm-hmm. I mean so the showrunners, I think really dropped the ball in the end of the season. I'm I'm a little worried about season four. So
1: yeah. I think too, you know, to say this, because I mean, everybody goes, well, it's just a TV show. Who cares? I look at it as that Star Trek has always been one of the more sciencey and realistic science fiction shows or stories out there because they've always wanted to root it in our reality. You know, it's in our future, according to the story. And it's also like we want it to be as, as science based as possible. And then, of course, we have to use our imagination for the rest. They've always done that. They've all, well, maybe not in the original series, but since the next generation and forward, they've really tried to be, well, even the movies, the original movies, they've tried to do the best they can with that. I feel like they, they were just kind of like, who cares in this? You know, we, no one, no one's going to yeah. be smart enough to actually know any different. And that's Which just, just kind of the ignorant. feeling I got. Yeah. And because also
2: Trekkies are going to notice that stuff.
1: Yeah. And I also feel like that it's, it goes beyond the fact that this is a TV show. It goes beyond the fact this is Star Trek and it goes to how does any one period, get a job like that and succeed <laughs> writing crap and not caring. Like, I mean, maybe they did care. I don't know, but I just feel like, shouldn't we all be giving our best? Shouldn't we all be doing our research? Shouldn't we all be trying at least to in, in anything that we do in our lives? I'm just, I'm just saying, yeah. right? I'm looking at it yeah, like that. You, so to me, right. it's, it's more of a, I'm not taking it personally, but I do. I go right. beyond the fact that it's just entertainment and I just go, is, is this it's I hope it's not the future I hope it it's is, not the future and then, and of our fair. of our society is what I hope it's not
2: oh we're gonna get into that oh
1: man okay you know what that's a great transition <laughs> right now so excellent fantastic here talked to me this has been quite a few months ago now and he said have you seen the social dilemma on Netflix and I said no yeah. and he said you got mean, the name we, right this time Brian I know I kept wanting to say the social <laughs> network because yeah well it's similar but so we decided to watch it. But Ben, fantastic. I'm going to let you start because I wanted to hear your reason for discussing this. Like what was it about it that drew you in and compelled you to ask us to discuss it?
0: Well, I think it's interesting you think of the role of technology in our lives like in the past decade or 20 years like it's been constantly evolving. And I've heard lots of things about gaming addiction, screen addiction or whatever and and how screens might affect Like You see all these apps that are targeted at kids to help them learn school things, except there's no long-term how that's going to affect our children. Mm -hmm. How is somebody that learns to read using an iPad, how's that going to affect them when they're 40 or 50 or 60? We don't know, even though everyone says it's the best thing, help them learn. And so I looked at this, Like I like documentaries. It's cool to learn and get a perspective, but then you also think about every documentary is kind of developed towards a certain end or a certain outcome that they want to point out. And it can, they're usually angled towards those views or biased towards those views. I think the one really interesting thing about the social dilemma is you go through and watch it is that the vast majority of the guests that they have on or the people talking, there's no narrator kind of going through. They just have all these different people talking. And the vast majority of the people are people that were in the early days that had very major roles in developing these social media platforms and the phenomena that have resulted from them. I, I got a kick out of the one guy. He's like,
1: yeah, I created the Facebook like button, <laughs> <laughs> I'm too happy about it. but he was like, it was designed to be really cool and magical. And then he said, we had no idea it was going to cause depression and like anxiety and suicide. Yeah. <laughs> We're Like, Oh wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's interesting. You have like these good purposes that things are created for, which is yeah. illustrated in and talked about in there. But then you see, like, yeah, it can be used for good, and there are the unforeseen consequences. But then one of the things that they go into a lot in that documentary is the algorithms. And I kind of mm-hmm. like there, there's kind of this real world example they kind of throw in like a fictional family and how social media affects them. Mm-hmm. And some of the points in them, like, really, like. How many guys have that many shoes in the room as that kid has? <laughs> I noticed that too. I commented oh, that great. to my wife. I'm like, that dude has a lot of shoes for a dude. But, <laughs> but I think the one thing that they did nail, which I thought was a great illustration, is they they had uh, a human representation of the algorithms. That was interesting. Of right. that computer thinking behind the scenes. Yeah. A couple of the biggest things I got from it is the realization is that when we look at social media, we're not the client or the product. We as users of social media are the product that is being sold to the advertisers. Mm -hmm. And the main goal of all those algorithms is to get as many ads on there. We can see, for example, on Facebook, the changes over the past few years. It's harder and harder to see that organic content that our friends are posting. And there's more and more ads in there and every platform is like that. But I think that's really interesting. And I, I guess overall, it just leads me to think that you know we really have to make sure we're focused in our use of social media we don't let it take control of us right now i fall victim to to the rabbit hole of instagram or youtube and, and yeah. looking for things to unwind yeah. which is how i found the song <clears throat> that we'll be talking about today Nice. <laughs> there's a plus but, side yeah as you watch this video you think about it's very centered on social media but then what about screens as a whole in in every program or app is developed similar to social media to keep us using it as oh, much yeah. as possible and Oh yeah. And like every you have all these, what's that term? The freemium games. Oh yeah. Uh in, in the app store. They're free. But not really. And you can play, but they dangle that carrot. You have to keep working for that carrot. And it's yeah. so far. Or you can buy just some Give them a, a dollar, dollar and, yeah. and get it right away. I know. So I think it's really interesting. So those those are my main takeaways. It just really Causes me to step back and reflect on what's the role of social media in my life or what's the role of technology in my life. And is that really necessary? Yeah. And this is very real to us in our house too, because my, my older kids, we have six kids now and our oldest kids are, are 10, 12 and 13. They want to be on devices all the time mm-hmm. right now, primarily on Minecraft. Um, <laughs> but then there's that, there's that role of, of them playing the game and then them also interacting with their friends over the game, which is a wonderful experience to be able to have. But I think back to my childhood, we had no screens when we were little. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, watched I, cartoons for, I watched cartoons for two hours on Saturday morning. Besides that, I essentially spent my life outside. Yeah, me too. And it's winter now, but I even did that in the winters when I was little.
1: It's interesting that you're oh. talking about your kids and screens because all of the people that were on there that had worked. So by the way, a lot of the people that they interviewed were key leaders. And I'm saying key, like sometimes vice presidents, sometimes founders, et cetera. Oh, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, all of those Google, some of the other ones, these people were not yeah. just, you know, workers. They were at the top of almost all of these organizations. And every single one of them said, we do not allow our kids to have social media accounts. And I think even a couple of guys were saying, they don't even allow their kids hardly any screen time at all because they know what it does because they programmed it. They created it and they're not giving their kids any kind of access to it. And it's kind of like we talked about this with Abel James. Well, he worked for some of the big, big food corps doing yeah. like marketing and stuff for them and, and other consulting and stuff. And all of the top execs from those huge food like craft and some of those other organizations, they don't eat the food. They don't let their family eat the food because they know it's bad. <laughs> and it's the same thing. So it's just like, here are the top leaders saying, we don't let our kids use it because it's bad. Like, wow. But at the same time,
2: every one of them very explicitly admitted to being addicted to their own product.
1: Themselves, yeah.
2: And being befuddled by
0: this. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that was a really good point too to, to to see is like they're admitting is like, I'm the one that developed the algorithms. I'm the one that made it addictive and I
1: still get addicted to
0: it, yeah. <laughs> even though That's I know crazy. I know the trick behind it. I know the magic behind it, but I still fall victim to it. I think that, yeah. that was another really interesting point.
1: It's interesting. One of the guests they had on there, I just wanted to, to shout out a little bit, but Anna Lemke, she's a psychiatrist and she was talking about some stuff. I actually produced two interview episodes that she was on as a guest for one of my clients a few years ago. You know, I didn't know who she was, but well, first of all, she deals with addiction. That's like most of what her psychiatry is all around is addiction. She wrote a book called drug dealer MD, which was all about the opioid addiction. And I just I loved the content. And then here I see her. I'm like, wait a minute. I know this woman. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. So it is neat to see like they brought on some reputable people into this as well. It wasn't just like some crackpot somebody you've never heard of. Uh, well, then, then there know, was that third. one dude. Well, but he's the father of VR, dude. <laughs> the, the father. Is he really? Though? Yeah, the father really... of virtual reality. He created yeah, it. That guy was hilarious. Mr. Dreadlocks is what I call he him. He was
2: funny. Oh yeah. my I, Wasn't
1: he the father of the comic store guy on the Simpsons? <laughs> <laughs> I looked at him and I said, he does not look legit and reputable. But yeah, he was. he was one of the what smartest guys. In fact, everything he said, I was yeah. like, I totally agree with you, man. This is crazy.
2: Yeah, he's pretty articulate. So, yeah.
1: For me, it was not fun to watch because it is a negative topic. It actually created anxiety in me. The more I watched it, I was like, okay, this is really good to know, but I don't enjoy watching this. So some people may be sensitive to that. I'm just throwing that out. And Many of you may not care.
2: It's very much an elephant in the room. Just fair warning.
1: Yeah. That aside, there were some fascinating things in there. What was interesting was to see some of the evidence in here. Consider it this way. You all of us are being intentionally manipulated in every way on what to do, what to think, how to think, what to say, how to vote, everything. We're all being manipulated. There that's, that's why we especially have
2: Especially if you're on social media.
1: Yeah, especially, and in other ways too, but like <laughs> there's obviously heavy political polarization here in the states right now, and a lot wow. of that has to do with social media and what they what they did and what I found to be I think the scariest thing well, this no, there's a lot of scary things, but I'm going to go with this yeah. one too was how much we have that confirmation bias. So if you go into Google and you know how you start searching something and it starts to autofill, that autofill is based on who you are, what you normally search for, who you hang around with, what your beliefs are, things you've said, everything your
2: demographic,
1: your demographic. So for example, one of the, the examples they used was is the earth and then it would fill in flat or round or whatever whether it gave you flat or or, round would be based on all of those things that I said. So yes, they're spying on you. Yes, they're gathering all your information and they're turning it into algorithms, which gives you what confirmation bias. Oh, I knew the earth was flat. I knew it. Google told me, even though that's not necessarily the truth. And that was the other thing. And I know, um, captain you, uh, you underlined this and this was probably the biggest, biggest thing that again, I knew this, but it confirmed it that, false news, false information makes so much more money than the truth because the truth is boring.
2: Relatively boring.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Relatively boring. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And interestingly enough, when I was in college, I was taught this in 1999 in news writing. I was told get as many facts as you can and then make up the rest. And then when I was in media and in PR and PR is a little different because they want most facts, but in the news, that's what they do. They'll gather as many facts as they can, even if it's not much and they'll make up the rest. And if it's too boring, then they'll make it up and create false news. That's what they do. Yeah. And and yet people watch the the news all the time and they believe the choice. Yeah, you do. You just don't don't, watch it. Well, true.
2: Okay. That's fair. But, but if you want to know what's going on in the world, you've got to look at some news source,
0: right? Otherwise you're just,
1: but are you you actually knowing what's really going on in the world? Exactly. That's the question. Yeah. So it's, that's Uh scary to me though, because what are we doing?
0: I think another interesting point about the false news thing that they talked about in the documentary is that they pointed out that the social media companies will say they can develop algorithms to filter out fake news. But they said, that is not possible. Mm-hmm. An algorithm can't determine what's fake and what's real.
1: That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that.
2: I really like, there was a quote early on in the, sh- in the show, we have gone from the information age to the disinformation <laughs> age. And that is so true. Yeah. That's inarguable. On any given topic out there that's not, you know, based on morality or whatever, on any given set of facts, there is a counter set of facts. And it just depends on what your proclivities are, which facts, which set of facts you want to believe. And so, who knows what's the truth? I mean, who really knows what's the truth except for what you have seen yourself Mm -hmm. and what you've experienced? My wife brought up a really good point. Uh, we we had a long discussion about that this whole thing this afternoon because I was nice. I was letting her know I I mean I didn't have any positive conclusions from this from this documentary. Yeah, everything all of my conclusions were pretty cynical, ranging from semi cynical to extremely cynical. Mm-hmm. And I said, "What positives can we take out of this?" And she had some really good ideas. And one of them was that the only way we, we can really come out of this squeaky is if we somehow, as a society, adapt to it maybe we would evolve our minds to better discern when someone's lying to us, like unlock some part of our brains mm-hmm. or something. Some of the guys at the end of the of the documentary mentioned that they feel like the only way that this is going to, you know, we're going to pull out of our downward spiral is if the industry, the big tech industry is regulated. Mm-hmm. And of course, that that raises a whole bunch of flags on half the population. Regulation? No, 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 we don't want that. But maybe what if, what if the regulation took the form of legally changing it, the data that the big tech companies gather on us from mm-hmm. their property to our property. Google, all this data on all these users is now their property and you have to give them a percentage of the proceeds. Hmm. I mean, that's capitalism, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, it's just yeah. it's, instead of so it goes from them taking advantage of everybody to them partnering with everybody and you can decide whether they, whether and how they use your data or how much of your data they use. Yeah. Uh, and the more data they use, the more you get paid. You know, we That's were throw, we were brainstorming ideas left and right, and yeah. and it was a really fun conversation.
1: They mentioned too there about a tax, which I thought was a very interesting thing about how they could tax certain companies that collected data. Right now, it's unlimited; right, they can collect as much data as they want, use as much bandwidth as they want. There's just no regulation. But the mm-hmm. the idea was to tax those companies on, you know, if you use X amount of whatever bandwidth or data, whatever it was, to collect all that, you know, you're going to start getting taxed heavily. And so then it kind of dissuades them from feeling like they can just gather everything, which I thought that was kind of an interesting, you know, suggestion as well.
2: Yeah, that is a good one.
1: I would agree with regulation, um, not necessarily on tech in general. I don't think that's what we need, but I, I agree with the regulation on some of these companies like with social media. But I mean, how do you regulate the truth? Because once again, it goes back to your question is what is the truth? Do we actually even really know and, well, you know, would, uh, can and can we handle the truth? I mean, that's true too. <laughs> yeah. they, they wouldn't be
0: regulating handle <laughs> the truth. <laughs>
2: they they would be regulating the truth. They'd be regulating the data, the dissemination of your data. Yeah,
0: and I think as well, in in relation to the truth, I think honestly that would fall on us as as users to to be more discerning. To put a positive spin on the whole thing, like how can we take positivity out of out of this horrid documentary and hit the light it paints. Social media, the the real light. Like none of this watching it seems like, oh, they just made this up for to make a cool documentary. Like it right, it's real and it hits home. But I think the thing is we take this and we have that knowledge so we can empower ourselves and be more mindful in how we're using social media and and take our lives back. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's really cool about social media is the stuff you look at, more of that stuff gets fed to you. So if we are more focused on embracing the positive in social media and clicking and liking yeah. on the positive things, they will give us more of the positive. That's, That's true. true. That really, is true.
2: Really, really good point. I mean, yeah. wow, that, that was something that we should have just hit on immediately. But good, didn't good think one, about ben. that,
1: though. That's a good point. Yeah. It's so interesting how people blame tech. They blame yeah. social media. It's just a tool. And how you use the tool, just even like you were talking about fantastic with the idea of that, if you did more positive likes and you, you wanted more of the good, then the algorithm would change it for you. It's kind of like if you use the tool for good, then we're not going to have as many problems. Really, they saw a major increase in depression, anxiety and suicide starting around 2010 and 2011, which is when social media really started to take off, right? There was a discussion that was going on off mic and everything and we were talking about how you know high school middle school that was hard enough pre social media
2: right No, we Ooh. talked about it on the show yeah
1: okay we did yeah and it's like nowadays we've got social media to basically exponentialize that i don't know if that's a yeah. word but i'm making it up to i mean it's ridiculous like we we went from enough stress and anxiety and everything as kids to now i mean i don't know how these kids do it now and obviously they don't
2: no idea Back in the day, all the all the way up until ten years ago, you know, if if you were bullied at school every day, you could go home to the to the sanctuary of your of your room or your True. family. Yep. You you would be a little worried about tomorrow, but at least you wouldn't have to think about it until tomorrow. Well now, kids that are bullied in school, they have to think about it all the time because yeah. their bullies are are online and harassing them even outside of school hours. So
1: Yeah. And everyone it only makes sense. Everyone knows about it now versus back when the bullies were bullying you back then handful Mm -hmm. of people knew about it right you know the other thing i wanted to mention really quick they can affect real world behavior emotions without triggering the user's awareness Mm -hmm. that's really scary to me because what they're doing is they're telling us again what to do how to think everything else blah 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 and we don't even know it so when Mm -hmm. you say well we can you know take strides forward to uh, well how are we going to know if we're doing it because we don't even know that we're being manipulated even though we are so but now you do, yeah, but now we do, but it's like, but how are we like, what? I don't know what to fight. It's kind of like, you know, you're fighting the invisible enemy. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fight this cause I can't see it.
0: That's the problem. But well, the, Facebook, one, yeah. but well, the one thing we see is those posts <laughs> that it's like, you'll never guess what happens next. And you're like, yeah, it's going to be a load of crap. I'm not clicking on you. Sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Click bait.
1: Yeah, well, Uh. I agree that we should hold these tech companies responsible. In fact, I know they talked about that towards the end. I do think we should do that. I think something should be put in place for that. But beyond that, people really need to be smart enough and even just aware to say, okay, you know what? I need to find the truth as best as I can. I need to ask questions. I need to employ smart choices. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is my action here on social media a benefit to me and a benefit to those around me. We all want to be loved, valued, and respected. I'm going to keep saying that over and over and over because we all want it. And so we need to be able to give that to people too. Think of when you actually
0: need your phone. One of the things which I didn't mention earlier that I'm doing, as soon as I'm done work, I I can't say I get home from work because I don't go to work very often anymore. I work from home. But as soon as I'm done work, my phone gets left on my desk. I put it up in my room and I'm not touching it until I'm getting ready for bed. And that whole evening, I'm not getting distracted. Nice. I think we need to think about that in using our phone and what we're doing in our activities. Is it being a positive benefit to ourselves or to those we're interacting with or Mm -hmm. those that are around us in in the room that we might be totally ignoring or pretending to partially pay attention to?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I agree. And you know what? They even said this in the documentary. Last thing I'm going to say on this. I love. Still, I love technology. I do. I love technology. I am a freaking but not as much as you. You see. Thank you. But I still love technology. Always and for okay. It's I love. Fire. I love it. I love my phone. I love the tech that I can do on it. And they talked about that the technology that we have is magical, and it, it was intended to be beautiful. There are a lot of cool things about technology that I love, and there are some good things about social media that I love, and namely for me, it is the connection with people.
0: Here's a tip for Facebook. Delete Facebook from your phone, but Mm. keep Facebook Messenger on your phone.
1: That's a good idea. Yeah. Hey, let's talk music real quick. We've got a couple new songs. We've got that 2021 TRBS Spotify mix. I just created it. We've got two songs to put in it to kick off the year. BenTastic, (laughs) you were talking about going down that rabbit hole and you found the song.
0: Yeah, I found this song called Fly Away by Tones and I, Mm. which I hadn't heard of Tones and I, but they have another really popular song which is uh dance monkey oh yeah (laughs) really really catchy (laughs) she has a really interesting voice and it kind of reminds me of macy gray got a nice little positive message to the to the song it's kind of motivational i liked it so i listened to it i really enjoyed that song
1: nice i found okay this this is a very interesting find for me because do you remember the band corn
2: very much so (laughs) okay
1: (laughs) So Brian Head Welch split off, I don't know, eight, eight or nine years ago or something like that. It's interesting. And he was talking about, you know, some of the, some of the stuff they did that wasn't quite so helpful and positive for people. And he said, I want to create that same style of music, but I want to, I want to do it in a positive way. I don't want to go out there and I want to actually help people and lift people up, which I was like, man, cool. And so he formed a band called Love and Death, and they had an album out in 2013. It was really, really good. It was just like hardcore rock, you know, loved it. And then they disappeared for seven years. Well, they're back with a single, and it's called Down. It is awesome. If you like good solid hard rock music, a la corn style, love and death, and it's called Down, and it's beautiful. Twenty twenty one, it's our TRBS twenty twenty one Spotify mix. It'll be in the show notes. By the way, this is kind of cool. So, yes, if you want to go over to realbryanshow.com slash 264, that's fine. But also, on the iPhone app, the podcast app, if the episode is maximized on your podcast app, it shows you the logo and basically whatever's playing, and then that's it. If you're on an iPhone, you just scroll down. There's the show notes. There's all the links we always talk about. So, if you're just like, oh, my gosh, I I never think about going on to Spotify it's right there. Scroll down. Click on the link. If you have the Spotify app on your phone, it's going to pull it up. And there you are. You can follow it. You can follow the TRBs gloriousness mix, which I just went and revamped massively, got rid of a bunch of old music and put in some new stuff. And then, of course, Captain Influence playlist oh. is on there. Yes. Go check it out. And, of course, we're on Patreon. That link is in there. Uh, that's an easy thing to do. Scroll down. Click that link. Pulls up Patreon. Booyah. Love your support. That? We're moving forward this year. So there you go fantastic thank you hey anytime it's yeah, fun have good you to have
2: good to have you back on mr great white north
1: yeah no problem me eh? that's Take right off. i so appreciate you uh deciding to come back on and bringing up this social <laughs> dilemma and everything else <laughs> it's
2: so yeah, nice, sorry dude. it took us so long to talk about it i'm really glad we finally got to watch and and uh discuss it with you
1: yeah yeah, yeah.
2: Well, i wasn't waiting for you guys you guys are waiting for me i think that's much. right yeah,
0: we were. deep thoughts with captain influence
2: When I look up at the night sky, I can't help but realize that I'm staring into eternity. About 10 minutes later, I realize I'm drooling and freezing to death.
1: You know what the music means.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that music. Yes.
1: Oh, that was one of my favorite (laughs) deep thoughts ever, man. That was, I was, when I first read that, I was crying. I love that. Thank you. All right. Thanks all for listening. Really appreciate it. Have a glorious, glorious week. Find some positivity, latch on to that, and this is the Real Brian Show. Sign it off!
0: The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514MediaEmpire.com.